Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. More importantly, today I get to speak with Dr. Shuman Knott, who is Assistant Professor in the Department of Anthropology at the Dr. APJ uh, Abdul Kalam Government College um, in India. Uh, we'll be speaking about a brand new Rutledge publication called Democracy and Social Cleavage in India, uh, Ethnography of Riots, Everyday Politics, and Communalism in West Bengal. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Raj. Thanks a lot for calling me. Tell us about the backstory for this book. Yeah, actually, this is basically a continuation of my earlier book. I, I was working on West Bengal for since 2007 in, in Bengal politics I was working on. So in 2011, a historical change has happened in Bengal. Uh, it, it ended the three-decade-long left regime of Bengal and and it started a new regime, which is still continuing under the leadership of Trinomul Congress. So <clears throat> while I was working on the political transformation during 2009, 10, 11, and I, I also wrote a book on it, which, which got published from Rutledge in 2019. It's called the People Party Policy Interplay in India. So do, when I was finishing my previous book, I uh, certain disturbing incidents were happening in Bengal, something which was not there for the last three decades. And the religious sentiment was coming back and numerous number of riots were happening at many places of Bengal. So I thought that this riot is now going to determine much of the political fate of this state. And I started visiting the riot affected areas, started staying there, Initial idea was not to write a book, but to publish certain fact-finding reports. Because you know, in this part of the country, you really don't have any newspaper reports on riots. Because it's it's banned that you cannot really circulate the news on riots. Because government fears that if the news of riots spreads, the riot is going to spread much more. So virtually every incident which are actually riots are never reported. So my idea primarily was to report and publish as fact-finding reports. But then eventually I understood that it's important to write something on this historical juncture because this is basically changing the entire political dynamics of Bengal, which earlier revolved around party. Now it is revolving around the identity. So I thought that I should write a book. So I started writing it and it got published. What's the central uh, thrust or argument of the book? Yeah, my argument is to map how riots are manufactured. You know, if you look at the riot literature, most of the literature in India are actually after effects of riots. And some historical studies actually tries to map why riots are happening at certain point of time in history but there is a shortage of ethnographic works which actually sees 
riots as it is happening so my central argument was to find out why riots happen and how riots are manufactured and in order to do that i actually uh, theorized the bengal politics by using godu's notion of cultural misrecognition this idea was actually germinated way back in 2009 when i was doing a field work in in, in one of the remote villages of bakura where i found that all of a sudden uh, certain little known cultural things cultural performances are getting carnivalous look carnivalous touch so i i started studying it why it is happening what are the forces which are making things happening right now and what are their aims so when i was studying it i i also wrote an article which got published in epw in 2000 uh probably 18 so uh, yeah in, in 2018 I, i i published this idea and then i thought that this cultural mystic cognition can best explain how <clears throat> cultural apparatuses are actually being used to gain political might so my fundamental idea or or the, or the fundamental argument is to use cultural mystic cognition to understand why riots are happening and how cultural apparatuses are used are, are being used to capture popular sentiment along the identity so in this context why are riots happening uh primarily because to consolidate the sentiments of the hindus and muslims in bengal you know there is a clear division right now that the the aggressive hindus those who really feel that hindu khatre mein hai there is this term that hindus are in danger which is basically a myth i i wrote about it in the introductory chapter so this idea is being popularized by rss and bjp so that they can capture the hindu sentiment popular hindu sentiment and translate it into popular electoral support while <clears throat> trinamool congress cannot afford to lose the vote the, 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 the support that they get from the muslims because in bengal it is roughly about 27% of the muslim population so so riots are actually instruments to 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 consolidate the electoral support so that uh, bjp can challenge the challenge tmc and that's what they are doing do you want to tell us a bit about the structure of the book the book is actually divided into eight chapters so i i i, I started with an introduction where I, i i wrote about how these popular myths are being created myths like uh, muslims will outnumber hindus in a few decades from now myths like muslims are nasty or from the muslims perspectives while hindus they are preparing for an attack on the minorities these sort of ideas how they are germinated and how we can frame so this is how i started my introduction in the second chapter uh, second chapter is basically the theoretical frame of the book where i argue that why cultural mystic cognition can be used as a powerful tool to explain the politics uh, to explain the current politics not only in bengal but also most of the part of the country from third chapter onwards these are my empirical findings based on my intensive field works so in the third chapter i kind of mapped how Bengal political violence is changing for last one decade or so. So earlier the the the, the political violence were mostly 
party based violence so we had this maoist problem the maoist versus the left in bengal and and many party cadres were killed and but right now it's it's more about identity politics in the, in the, in, the, in the chapter 4 i wrote about islamic fundamentalism you know in bengal no one talks about islamic fundamentalism how islamic fundamentalism is growing and how how far they are they have percolated into the society so that is also based on few case studies from bengal where i have shown that how these sharia forms of rule which which sees islam as a monolith is actually replacing more open and syncretic traditions like sufism in bengal and how they are destroying dargahs how they are displacing people who are actually sufi followers so this chapter talks about islamic fundamentalism in chapter 5 i talked about how hindutva and its organization are actually spreading its roots in bengal and why they are successful in doing that because you know in bengal earlier during the left regime everything was about party so this left especially by the communist party of india marxist they had a huge and elaborate form of uh, organization organization everywhere now those organizations are systematically disbanded by the tmc and they did not create any parallel organization like the left had so there is a vacuum and this vacuum is increasingly being filled up by rss and bjp by using their identity sentiments so how aggressive hindutva and its organizational mechanisms are working and how they are using certain little known traditions like ram navami celebration ganga aarti these were not there these traditions are actually invented traditions so how they are using it and on chapter 6 i wrote about riots so when these fundamentalist two fundamental forces meet what happens then so i studied riots almost uh almost every part of the state but i wrote about the riots which i have seen on uh, first hand and the places where i could stay back so i wrote about riots which are happening in the jutmil areas in the coal belt areas and certain social media related riots that are happening almost in a random way so i i wrote about riots how riots are manufactured what are the effects of the riots in chapter 7 i again came back and discussed about how you can use this empirical uh, things and how can theorize it in the framework of cultural anthropology and i conclude by arguing that communalism is basically percolating in everyday life of bengal and 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 there is virtually no force that can stop it so this is basically the structure of my book uh, so many directions which one do i choose um okay let's let's ask a a more uh, a, a fairly basic question what is the data what are you looking at you know what does your research consist of for this book yeah so uh, basically i am looking at the ethnographic data because i i stayed in the field for a very long period of time and i have experienced what are what were happening there so the primary data of this book is my own ethnographic research own ethnographic but apart from this i have also collected certain documents certain newspaper reports and of course i i looked upon the existing literature quite thoroughly the primary data is definitely the ethnographic one 
is doing this particular research, whether the, the actual field work or, or the publication, um, is it dangerous to you at all? Yeah, absolutely. This is absolutely dangerous. You know, I can narrate you certain stories because I got arrested twice while doing this work. And the problem is that I'm also a government employee. So getting arrested can jeopardize my entire career. So I had to request them. I had to talk to them. I mean, it was not a formal arrest. So they did, luckily they didn't issue any record that I, I, I got arrested. But, you know, there are three, four challenges when you do this kind of work because you are always under the scanner of the government. They are not really happy that you're writing about riots. They, they do not want anybody to know that riots are happening in the world. So that is one problem from the administration. The second problem is that there are political cadres who are going to threaten you. Recently, I, I, I got published one, one, one article in South Asian History and Culture Journal. And immediately after that, I, I, I got a phone call requesting, that was not a request, that was basically a threat, uh, asking me to stop working on Bengal politics and to start working on something else. So these sort of hazards are almost always. And apart from that, in the field, when you are staying back in the right zone areas, you are always at risk. So that amount of risk is there. And so from what I'm gathering, the risk doesn't seem to deter you, otherwise put, uh, unless I'm mistaken, you intend to pursue this line of research, or are you considering perhaps um, researching something else? No. Uh, see, Raj, the problem is uh, this is not the Bengal that we have grown up. Uh, we, we, we really have seen something else. You know, during my childhood days when I was in a school, we used to have a platform called Science Big Gun Moncho. Big Gun in Bengali means science, science, science platform. So they used to come to our schools. They used to show us how we can go beyond religion, how we can go beyond superstitious beliefs, etc. And now they have disappeared. All these organizations have been dismantled. And not instead of becoming a secular state, we are we 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 are going back towards a, a more of a communal state. So I'm not really happy, and I I, I have a child who is three year old, and I, I I really don't want him to grow in a state like this. And at the same time, I really I'm I'm not really I'm not really willing to leave I want to change it, but I I really don't have that much of power that I can change the state. But at least I can write. At least in future, if somebody wants to work, if somebody wants to know what was happening in Bengal, at least they should have some document. So I'm also working with one of the organizations known as Ambrak Shachetan Koyar. I actually dedicated my book to them. So we, 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 we will try to stop it, no matter what happens, no matter how, how much amount of risk it entails. I, I really don't want my state to, or my country to ruin like this. At least I'll try. Do you foresee any sort of shift uh, solution development? If you could conjecture, what do you see as the future of the situation? I'm really not really uh, hopeful about it. 
nothing positive is happening nowhere if you go at the grassroots if you go to any village be it a hindu dominated village or a muslim dominated village you will see things are changing like in even the tribal people who were not really into this system thing they have also been made believe that they are hindus and muslims are the sources of all problems if you go to a muslim village you will see that in the evening they have this islamic jalsha they call it islamic jalsha where somebody will come and chant everything against hindus so these sort of things are happening and there is no one who is going to stop it there is no political force that are going to stop it and even the civil society organizations including ours are being stopped from documenting so things are quite bad in bengal also in in the country at large and do you see parallels to um parallels to the situation elsewhere yeah yeah i mean the hatred against muslim is quite widespread see in other countries also these things are happening and the mode of governance worldwide is also changing. so now we have a more more kind of a uh, unsaid dictatorial government in many places and they are using similar anti uh, islamic or maybe in, in other places some other religion anti minority sentiments anti weaker section sentiments are being used so this is basically a global development right you are right i was curious to see if you saw specific parallels uh, in other uh, spaces uh even in usa for example in the in 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 instead of uh, differences being understood differences are being promoted you see in sri lanka also they are now a failed state but they are also facing the same thing in bangladesh our, our neighboring country uh in in bangladesh itself it is very sad to see that despite of so many positive uh ngos and civil society organizations they are also succumb to the islamic fundamentalism like like anything in 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 in, in the last few years uh hindu uh, religious festivals were being stopped their idols were dismantled so these things are happening almost everywhere you mentioned that you wrote this book to to document and to communicate what according to you is being suppressed by um officials where so uh, presuming that is the case where may folks go then to find out these truths are there other sources uh your voice just cracked can you repeat it are there other you mentioned that um uh officials are suppressing such information knowledge of such events and realities so other than your book are there sources of this suppressed information where can folks find out about this yeah actually uh, you can search uh, certain civil society organizational uh, reports for example our own organization amrak sachitan prayas it has a website 
where almost all fact-finding reports have been uploaded. You can, you can go through them and you can see for yourself. And there are certain little magazines in Bengal, but these are all mostly published in, in, in Bengali language. So uh, it's very difficult to find sources. But if you kind of search in the newspaper regarding the places where I went, uh, so uh, apart from my book, uh, our own organization, uh, the organization with whom I'm working, Amrak Swachetan Press, they also have a website. So most of the fact-finding reports are available there. And apart from these organizations, there are certain little magazines. So in Bengal, there is a concept called little magazine. These are small booklets that they publish. But most of the things are in Bangla, in, in Bengali. So, uh, but, but one thing you can be sure of that, actually I have provided a list of the riots that has happened in, 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 in probably in chapter three. So if you search in the Google, along with the names and the dates, you will see that certain reports are there, but they will not mention that it's a riot. They will mention that there were certain conflicts, there were certain clashes, but they will not say that these are riots. What sorts of um, scholars or fields um, 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 might this book most impact or otherwise put, um, who might most benefit from reading the book? Uh, somebody who is interested in identity politics and uh, somebody uh, who really wants to know uh, how riots actually happens, you know, because I have been there, I have seen the actors, I have seen the perpetrators and I have talked to them. So how somebody who is really interested to know how riots are manufactured, how riots happen. So basically a scholar... Uh, from the field of political science and uh, definitely somebody who's interested in religious fundamentalism, they might find this book. Is there anything else about the book that you hope we touch on? Uh, no, almost we, you, you almost covered everything. Uh, but I'll be very happy that if people read this book because, you know, one thing that I must say in Bengal is a very interesting case. Because in Bengal, during the partition, when the country was independent, a lot of riots were happening. You can see many important scholars have worked on. But after CPIM led left front government resumed the power, almost zero riots were happening. It doesn't mean that the religious fundamentalism was blown away. It was there. But it, it was rather suppressed or sidelined. And the main area of focus became party. But Bengal will show you how these memories, how the nostalgia actually remains and, and actually transports from one generation to the next. Bengal is a very interesting case, which shows that despite of a state uh, not being a right prone one for more than three decades, can quickly resume to an identity-based right-prone state and, and that too within just three, four years and people started talking about only Hindu and Muslims, nothing else. Fascinating. Um, disturbing as well as fascinating. Basically <laughs> um, very disturbing, true. Thank you very much for appearing on the podcast today. 
thank you raj thank you for calling me up and i'll be very happy that if, if people read this Excellent. For those of you listening, we've been speaking with Dr. Shumanath uh, about a, 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 a fascinating new publication, uh, Democracy and Social Cleavage in India. Um, until next time, stay safe, uh, stay sane, keep listening. Um, you can find out more about my work at rajbalkaran.com or study with me online at courses.rajbalkaran.com. Take care. Bye-bye.